Hey, Dad, happy Thanksgiving. And happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Got big Thanksgiving celebrations this afternoon. Hope you and your family, all those of you who are listening, have a great Thanksgiving. If you're international and you aren't necessarily Thanksgiving uh, uh, celebrator in your country, we wish you happy Thanksgiving anyway. Do so, it anyway. Yeah. Celebrate without everybody It's amazing else. how many people, I was looking at the stats here, how many international folks were this? And I guess part of that has to do with the fact that you run an international missions agency and and aren't they to get their support every month? They're required to listen, right? Oh, exactly, exactly. And they have to they have to answer a ten point question. That's right, questionnaire. Did you did you listen to this episode? Hey, so I wanted to talk about a little about Thanksgiving uh, because you know there's there's a lot of rewriting of history going on. Yeah, and honestly, some of it's probably good. Like see the other side of things. You know, the the victors write the the history books, yeah. right? Uh, uh-huh. But I I think that we're losing some of the power of the foundations of Thanksgiving. So I want to talk a little bit about the details of the first Thanksgiving, maybe un- unpack some of the misperceptions, some of the, honestly, the untruths that are told about it, yeah. the false narratives. Um, because what's really fascinating to me about Thanksgiving is really the first Thanksgiving wasn't like, we see these pictures of abundance and like... Yeah, everything was good and yeah, sweet. And- but really, the first Thanksgiving happened right in the middle of a really brutal struggle. So tell yeah. us a little bit about like... I mean, we won't go into the details, but they had come over from yeah. England. They got there. It was winter. Things were not looking good for them. Yeah. I think part of the confusion is that people can people just lump all the early settlers in America together. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And so you've got the pilgrims that they – these were the ones that the Thanksgiving's all built around, the mm-hmm. pilgrims, not the Puritans – which those were the guys with the big black buckles and the black hats and the black robes and all those were the Puritans. Those are totally different people. Which is fascinating because even as a kid at a Christian school, yeah. when we would dress up for Thanksgiving, they would dress us up as Puritans. As Puritans. I got lied to by, by my religion. That's right. That's, <laughs> yeah, right. that's right. Well, again, we lump all these people together. And so we say, oh, they were all bad. They were all evil. They all stole the land from the Indians. Right. They, they were, were all uptight, anti-everything, yeah, joyful, yeah. stoic. Yeah. Whereas the pilgrims were not at all that way. They didn't steal the land. God had them blown off course by a storm. And mm. the only place they could land was a place that the Native Americans thought was cursed. So nobody would live there. It was already cleared out, but it was for them. That, that's an interesting thing, too. First, so like God actually sent them, like yeah. kind of forced them by, and I've heard pastors say, sometimes God sends a storm to blow you right where you need to be. Well, that's exactly what happened yeah. to them. And then they tried to go to where they were supposed to be, and the wind kept blowing them back, and they finally gave up and so said, they well, end, this must be. Yeah, so they end up on this land that the Native Americans is actually believed was cursed because I guess a tribe before had, pat- had been wiped out. Had been wiped out. So they're like, don't touch that land. Yeah. They set up shop right there, which, what a symbolic message, too. I always think about that with Jesus. Like, God did his greatest redemptive work right in the middle of the darkest place. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah that's good. Yeah. That's good. And, and you know, we always talk about, oh, they drove the Indians back. No, they didn't. They made a peace treaty with them that lasted 54 years. The peace treaty, it was not broken. Mm. It, it assigned equal rights to the Native Americans as well as to the pilgrims that had come. In fact, one time, 10 pilgrims, the chief of the tribe that was in their area, had been kidnapped by another tribe, not mm. by white men, by right, another right. Indian tribe, indigenous tribe. And 10 of the pilgrims risked their own lives to go and rescue the chief and negotiate the chief and another uh, Indian's uh, release. Wow. Because they treated one another with great respect. So there's respect among them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this first Thanksgiving came really it wasn't in the middle of a, a weekend of abundance like no. a week of a, a month or a year of abundance excuse me 
it was like, it was really in some of their darkest time. Yeah. What happened is they were delayed in their departure for a number of reasons. And so when they arrived, they arrived at winter, oh, winter setting in. Winter in the Northeast. Yeah, exactly. And they had, uh, they had eaten into some of their winter stores already. I mean, they kind of came prepared. These were urbanites though, too. These are young people. We always think of them as grizzly old men, but um, they were not, uh, there were 102 of them and 30 of the 102. So what's that? A third, uh, you know, little whatever percentage yeah, that is, yeah, that's were under 17 years old. Wow. And the rest were in their 20s and 30s. They were young families. And so they arrived. They're urbanites, too. They don't know anything about living in the wilderness. They don't know anything about fishing or They're hunting. They're city boys. Whatever. They're city boys, yeah, <laughs> and girls and women. And so they arrive, and uh, it's winter. Wow. And that first winter, after that first winter, almost half of them were dead. Wow. It was amazing. You think about that. Um, in fact, they... they um, Half died in the winter. There were 18 wives. After that first winter, 13 of the wives were dead. Wow. So you only had five, you only had three families that hadn't lost. So all these people had suffered tremendous pain, tremendous loss. So everybody, I mean, essentially everybody had lost a family member somewhere along the way. I think there were three families that hadn't. Wow. But, But it was like tremendous loss, tremendous pain. Spring comes. A Native American arrives, Squanto, the famous Squanto. He helps them. And in the fall, then, they give thanks to God. And it's not really for the harvest, but it's that he has provided for them, that he has led them to this place, that he has. And and here's the amazing thing. It says during the winter, you read, um, William Bradford actually wrote a thing, Of Plymouth Plantation. You can get it at the library. That's the name of the book, Of, of Plymouth, Plymouth Plantation. Plantation. It's basically a journal. Uh, he was their governor, and he wrote what was happening. And he says during that winter, our hearts remained soft toward God. Mm. Golly, that is amazing. And during that winter too, there was a fire in one of the buildings. So they were they were housing the people, trying to keep them well. And the house where they, they were using for a hospital, a little building they were able to build, caught fire. It's like, and it was like, on top of all on, this, Lord? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, most of us would have been cursing God or cursing the guy who led us over. Moses, why'd you bring us out here? It was better in slavery in Egypt. And at the end of it all, their, their hearts remain soft toward God, according to their leader. You know, we can judge that or not, but he was there. Yeah. So he's either a liar, but I don't think he was. Their hearts remain soft toward God. And then in the fall, they, they express thanks to the Lord, and they invite the, uh, the Native Americans to they invite the chief to join them. And, and this, we're not talking a major feast here, though, right? No, 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 no. It wasn't supposed to be, because they were concerned, because, hey— Okay, we got to get ready for this next winter. Yeah, so we're gonna have these little. We're gonna have a little festival of thanks. Now, where did the three pieces of corn come in? Okay, that's the next year. Okay, the next so year. wait a second. So the first Thanksgiving, they're 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 they a lot of them have been the wiped winter. out. They've been wiped yeah. out. But even in spite of their lack of resources, they go and invite the Native Americans to they join. Invite them. the chief. Okay, and here's where you get into a culture clash. <laughs> okay, the chief shows up with 150 braves. Oh my gosh! You invite okay. Papa, he brings the whole family, the whole family, cousins, <laughs> nephews. But they they are the ones that also brought some venison. They brought the turkeys. They brought they brought one of my favorites, popcorn. That's when wow. they introduced to popcorn. Uh, uh, thank. So that is the element of they say, well, they bailed them out and brought them food. Really, what it was is they was in, had been invited to a party and they were very gracious to bring food to along. Bring food yeah, along because yeah. they knew these guys didn't. Have yeah, they much. watched. They've been watching them struggle. <laughs> exactly. Like, they but they isn't that interesting that even from their place of lack, they're willing to invite? I yeah. mean, that's a, that's a statement right there that even in our place of sometimes the best thing you can do in your place of lack is go and invite somebody to 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 a. To dinner, right? Bless somebody else. You, you yeah. know, you can always find somebody who's worse off than you. Funny thing is, those 
really who was blessing who, but yeah, which exactly. is interesting because who was blessing who? The guy showed up and he brought the party, really. Yeah, he did. <laughs> but, yeah, he did. And and yeah, so I, yeah, there's so many principles in this whole story. Yeah, there are of just rejoicing and thanking God for what you have, rather than grumbling about what you don't have. And I think the biggest thing is keeping a long term perspective. Mm. You know when. You know, when you're struggling with, with sickness or when you're struggling with loss or when you're struggling with lack, it's all short term, mm-hmm. you know, and you can read all these promises of God, and but you read a lot of the promises in the Old Testament about how he's going to rise up and all the nations will gather together and worship him and they will come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and rejoice in God or say, that hadn't happened yet, mm. but that was prophesied over 2000 years ago. If we keep a long-term perspective in the middle of our lack, knowing, you know, that God is going to provide, it may not, it may not be in this lifetime, but it's just moving, and death is just moving from one room to another room in God's perspective. And so you got to keep that long-term perspective when you're in the middle of these hard times. Otherwise, you just give up. That's why I think, you know, in 1 Thessalonians 5, the classic verse we always use that I love that Paul, he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And, you know, most of us don't pray until things are bad. Yeah. So there's a, there's kind of a hint there that's like, keep praying, but give thanks in all circumstances, even if things aren't optimal around you, even if things aren't exactly like you want, even if the crops have failed. Uh, yeah. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Yeah. I think, was it Hosea where he says, that, yeah. to me, it's like, this is what faith really is. He says, though the fig tree doesn't blossom, Though there be no grapes on the vine, the olive tree doesn't produce. And remember, these are agricultural people. So, I mean, they didn't run out to H-E-B or the grocery store. If there's no figs on the vine, if there's no crops, if there's no cattle in the stall, if there are no sheep, which he says, yet will I rejoice in God, my Savior. My Savior is not the food that I have. My Savior is not. I will rejoice in God, my Savior. It's Habakkuk. To him. Yeah, it's Habakkuk. Habakkuk. There you yep. go. Yeah. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit produce all of fail, and the field not yield food, the flock be cut off, uh, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll take joy in the God of my salvation, God, Lord's mission. Which is interesting because Habakkuk, uh, so that's the way that that whole book ends, I believe. I believe yeah. Habakkuk ends with that. And that's the book where in the start, it's <clears throat> Habakkuk is the one who write the vision, make out plain on tablets. That we think of that as the visionary book, like all the, yeah. all the visionaries, like, yeah, write out your vision, tell God what he's going to do. And the book ends with, eh, it's not like that. Um, God's going to do what he's going to do and we're going to rejoice trusting that his purposes will prevail and the struggle we're going through right now, if we can be grateful in the middle of it and thankful in the middle of it, we will rejoice in our God. There's something on the other side of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Habakkuk's also one where it says the just shall live by faith, that passage that ignited the the reformation. Yeah. Um, The just shall live by faith. And and I was reading it, I thought, you know, we have all these definitions of faith, you know, substance things, hope for the evidence thing, not seen all that stuff in Hebrews and that's all good. I don't know what that means, but I think this is the best definition of faith, though everything's going against me, though mm-hmm. my world is falling apart, though I don't even know how I'm going to eat my next meal, I'll rejoice in the Lord. That's I'll good. I'll rejoice in God, my Savior. That is true faith. So that's really good. So back to this story, the the Braves show up, they bring venison, they bring popcorn. That's the <laughs> first Thanksgiving, right? Yes. Yeah, so then they get through the year. Well, actually, the first Thanksgiving was on the ship. When they first arrived, they knelt and gave thanks to God before they even got off the ship. Wow. So this would be like after... There's a general, what we would call, attitude of gratitude in these folks oh, yeah. that carries through even all of that. But that yeah. was kind of an easy one, too, because they had, had 66 days of horrific 
crossing of the ocean, storm the whole time. They couldn't even go up on deck and they arrived safely and nobody had died. Wow. Except one of the sailors. Yeah. Who had been cursing them and everything and all of a sudden he'd draw it. All the sailors had been cursing them, you know, making fun of them. Yeah. A bunch of landlubbers until that one who had been the head, the worst, died and then everybody else got wow. kind of quiet. Yeah. So when they arrived in the new land and none of them had died, they knelt and gave thanks to God. So there's the first Thanksgiving. Yeah. And the second Thanksgiving is what's even harder. In. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third Thanksgiving, what's the story there? Although the third Thanksgiving was that things, they had kind of learned how to live. They were, you know, everything was progressing along pretty good. And so in, before the harvest, they decide to, um, to have a little celebration again. But the first thing they served was five kernels of corn because mm. during that last one, they had been reduced. Their food stores were so reduced that at one point in time, the entire, your entire ration for the day was five kernels of corn. So before they celebrate the next one, the first thing on every plate is five kernels of corn, lest we forget what God has brought us through. Which I think is great, too, because it, it talks about God's, uh, in I think it's Deuteronomy, where the Lord says, now when you go into the land mm-hmm. and you start drinking from wells you didn't dig and you start eating out of vineyards you didn't plant and you start, and all these things come, it's going to be easy for you to say, oh, I did this. Yeah. And forget the Lord. In prosperity, it is so easy to forget the Lord. It is. And that's what Jesus said. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Because it's so easy to think that I did this by my own work. And the Lord says, don't forget, it's me who gives you the, the strength, the breath, everything. It came, comes from him. That story of the five kernels is so powerful because I think sometimes you stay, you look around and you start like, I can't find anything to be thankful for. Yeah. And I think one of the best things you can do is uh, look back at, yeah, where you came from. Yeah, you're not where you want to be. Right. But look how far you've come. Remember yeah. when we were eating five kernels of corn and you go, wow, you know, yeah. you think about people are like, oh man, my car just keeps breaking down. Well, remember when you didn't have a car? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Or, and some of us can't even remember that because we've been so blessed our whole lives that we've like, oh, I Maybe got a never... car when I was 16. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or whatever it is. But what a powerful thing to say, all right, I'm going to start my gratitude with looking back and then that kind of ignites your, stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance as a, was, yeah. it, was it Peter that said that? Um uh-huh. The idea of like, look how far you've come and that can be the beginning of gratitude and recognize that God didn't bring you this far to ditch you. Like uh, he didn't bring you this far. And it's, it's interesting, this Thanksgiving, I've got something super to be grateful for, for because uh, just a few weeks ago, I got this melanoma diagnosis and um, and it, it was it was very frightening. You know, we didn't know how bad it was. And so I went and... Uh, uh, doctor said it was stage three. Yeah, stage three, it was going to be bad. And they're like, we don't know how deep it is. We went back got another um, biopsy. And I remember through all this thing and like, like the, you said, like you, you, sometimes it's easy to forget the Lord when everything's going good, but when mm-hmm. everything is bad and you've got something in your body that's trying to kill you, you start looking to the Lord again. Right. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I'd ever fallen away from God, but I'll never forget one of the most encouraging things that, that was said to me, it just cracked me up is the guy at our church, an older guy. He, um, it's a little uncouth, but he came up to me. He's like, man, when I heard you got that melanoma diagnosis, I was so worried for you. And he said, but man, I just started praying. And he's like, I feel like, I don't know, maybe Jesus said this. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I feel like Jesus said, I've got too much invested in that boy to throw his ass under the bus. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh. Sounds just like Jesus. <laughs> just like Jesus. I'm sure that's what he said. But it was so encouraging to me because it reminded me, he didn't bring you this far to ditch you. He didn't bring you this far to abandon you. He who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. Now, whatever, however he decides to complete that, 
he's going to accomplish everything he put in his heart for you to be accomplished. And yeah. you're going to, you're going to, your life is going to be fulfilled in the terms that he established for you before the beginning of time. You were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which the father prepared beforehand. And I think about that in the season of Thanksgiving. So many times we look around and we go, ah, oh, things are just, so, this isn't, it wasn't supposed to look this way. Yeah. You know, like it was supposed to, they were supposed to still be here. And, um, I was still supposed yeah. to be married or, you know, the, the financial situation, we were supposed to be ready to retire now, or yeah. we weren't supposed to be struggling this much. And you go, why, why still? And you go, yeah, you could look at that. Uh, Pastor Marcus says this, never, never let what's wrong with your life keep you from focusing on what's right about God. And somebody says that. I, don't, yeah. I heard Marcus say it. He said it. Yeah, but that's that's really what gratitude comes down to is, man, yeah, there may be a ton of stuff that's not what you want it to be, but look where you came from. Look how far you've come. I've been young. I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, as King yeah. David says. And that's where gratitude starts. It, it, You really can't be grateful when everything's good. Gratitude oftentimes comes, like you see from the original Thanksgiving story, from a place of lack, from a place of need. And when you can be thankful in that. Yeah. That's real gratitude. And I think a key to it is having that long-term vision, mm-hmm. recognizing that I am where I am today, but I'm not going to stay here. You know, it's the old story. The guy says, what's your favorite passage in scripture? It came to pass, you know, because these problems, <laughs> yeah. they, they came to pass. They didn't come to stay. It may not be this year. It may not be next year. It, 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 but somewhere God has a deliverance for you and you can look forward to that knowing that he will be faithful and we'll bring you through it. And so we give thanks. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, amen. So as you're celebrating with your family today, and maybe you're alone today, well, yeah. find something to be grateful for. You may go, well, I wish I was with my family. Um, maybe you need to reminisce on the Thanksgivings before. Of, find somebody worse off than you and go serve somebody. That's true. Just like that first Thanksgiving where they invited the, the, chief. the chief. You may be shocked that by your reaching out, thinking you're doing something for somebody else, it actually turns around and becomes the greatest blessing for you. Given it will be given to it you. It always works that way. Yeah, that's, and that's Press the down, principle. shaken together. It always works. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a review on your listening platform of your choice. For more from Joelle Malm, check out joelmalm.com. And more from Rick, check out rickmalm.com.